0: 1 Kings 10 and 1, and when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions, and she came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones, and when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart, And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all of Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Someone says she fainted. And she said to the king, It was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came, and my eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God which delighteth in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore he made thee king to do judgment and justice. And she gave the king 120 talents of gold and of spices, very great store And precious stones, there came no more such abundance of spices as these, which the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 23. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling together of ourselves as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. I'd like to preach from this subject tonight. You get what you put in. You get what you put in. Could you put your Bibles down and could we lift up our hands right now and let's just pray that God would be with us in these next few moments. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for what we've already felt in this service tonight. I thank you for the powerful service that we had this morning, God. And I I praise you for all of the good things that you've already done, Lord. But I pray that you would be with us here in this moment, God. That you would bless your people, minister to us, Lord. I pray, God, that your word would speak to us in a profound and powerful way. We love you and worship you, Lord. Could somebody just clap your hands to the Lord and just begin to lift up your voice? Come on, somebody. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, God. I magnify you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Look at the person beside you and say, you get what you put in. You really do. Amen. Thank you for standing. Thank you for worshiping. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, let me begin by saying that I realize that theologically speaking, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. This building is not a temple. This church building is a structure that we as the family of God have dedicated unto God as a place of worship. This church, this building made with stone, made with wood, is a place where the family of God can gather together and encourage one another to hold fast to the profession of our faith. This church house helps us To keep from wavering. This church is designed to be a place where we motivate one another to love and unto good works. It is a place where we gather together to exhort one another. Even 2,000 years ago the Apostle Paul was dealing with people who were forsaking the gathering together of the church. And so Paul said, when you see the day of the Lord's return approaching, get together all the more. When you begin... To see the signs of the end times. How many can see the signs of the times all around us? You you can't pick up a newspaper. You can't listen to the radio without hearing the signs of the times. Can I just pause and echo the heartbeat of our pastor. And tell somebody that we are about to hear the trumpet sound. I don't think we've got very long. God is wrapping things up. And Paul said when when you begin to see the signs around you don't forsake the assembling together don't don't gather together less get together more when you see that his return is imminent have more church have more church not less church have more fellowship, not less fellowship. He didn't say to blend in and act like you have things in common with the world. He said, forsake not the assembling together of yourselves. Don't run from exhortation, but rather invite more preaching into your life. Don't, don't run from the preaching of the word. Get to the preacher. Get to the altar. Gather together. Have church, he said. Now, in most places, I realize the trend is towards less church. I believe that God ordained the institution of the church for many reasons, not the least of which is to help keep saved people saved. Someone said, Amen. Amen. Even saved people need to stay saved. Paul was more or less saying that church needs to be the priority, not a priority, but the priority in your life. If you wake up on Sunday morning and your spouse or your kids or your friends have to wonder whether or not you're going to church, then church isn't the priority in your life. It's a priority in your life. If entertainment takes the priority over church, then you've got a serious problem that you need to work out with God. If every little thing takes precedence over the house of the Lord, then it's time to find an altar and say, God, I know you're coming soon. And I want to be in the presence of God's people. I want to hear some preaching. I want to do some praising. I want to get together. In the house of God. When we gather. We unify. But when we scatter. It produces disaster. It's not a coincidence that. In these last days. Christians are putting less. And less emphasis on. Assembling together. The enemy knows that if he can isolate people. They lose the awesome power. Of unity. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all, all, look at the person beside you and say, everybody, all of them gathered together in one mind and one accord. Somebody shout unity. Somebody shout unity. Jesus did not tell them to all go their separate ways and wait on the promise. Jesus did not tell them to gather their families together and go sit by themselves at home and wait for the promise. No, Jesus said to them all, I want you to go and wait in Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. There's something about when God's people get together, there's just something about when we combine our faith. There's just something about when we combine our worship. There's just something about when you get a room full of people who know how to get on their knees and pray until something happens. There's just something about getting together with people who love God as much as you love God. I said this just God is above ever names. Mm. There's a whole now, listen to this preacher. There's a whole lot of promises that you will miss out on by simply not showing up. You see, a lot of people want God to show out, but they don't want to show up. A lot of people want a blessing. But they don't want to be a blessing. A lot of people were standing there when Jesus said, I want you to go and tarry in Jerusalem because the promise is coming. I'm going to send the comforter to you. He was giving them a precious, powerful promise. But there was just a handful of people that gathered together in that little upper room. But there was a whole lot of people who missed out on the initial outpouring because they did not go, show up, and wait. The first thing that stands out to me in this biblical narrative that we read in 1 Kings is that the queen of Sheba was loaded down with skepticism. She came to prove Solomon with hard questions. She had her doubts that things were really as amazing over there in Jerusalem as people were saying they were. She was a little like doubting Thomas in that way. She, she needed to see this thing for herself. But she also came loaded down with gold and spices just in case there was something to this thing happening over in Jerusalem. She did not come to the house of God empty handed. She came specifically to see the temple, that great talked about temple that Solomon had built unto the Lord. You've got to understand that the temple was filled with gold. The Bible says that in the days of Solomon's reign, they were so wealthy. Uh, There was so much prosperity and God's blessings were poured out in such an amazing way that silver was so plentiful that people could just walk around and pick it up off of the ground. The temple was a breathtaking display of opulence, craftsmanship, and staggering wealth and the queen of Sheba who, who had no small nation herself and she had great wealth herself, but it paled in comparison to the blessings that God gave to Solomon. She came and she witnessed all of these things. She saw the home that Solomon had built and, and she saw the meat of his table and, and she saw the way that his servants conducted themselves and The appearance of his ministers and their apparel. And she looked at his cupbearers and she saw that they were happy. And she saw that they were blessed. Not only was the king blessed, but even his servants were greatly blessed. And and they were happy and, and they were joyful. And she witnessed all of these things, but nothing Impressed her more than to see the way in which Solomon ascended up into the house of the Lord. That was really something to see. All of the rest was exciting and it was something to talk about. But, but when Solomon began to make his way up into the house of God, it was impressive. It was powerful. The Bible says that there was no more spirit in her. She, she fainted. She passed out. And she witnessed the demeanor of his servants. And she witnessed his demeanor and everyone involved. And she saw the worship and the sacrifices that were lifted up to God. And nothing impressed her more than the way in which they had church. Listen to me. Sometimes people just aren't going to get why you do what you do until they go to church with you. Sometimes people just aren't going to get it until they experience it for themselves. You can talk about it all night long and you can read about it all day long, but nothing takes the place of God's people getting together and the Shekinah glory of God permeating the atmosphere. It touched her heart. It caused something to be stirred. Paul said in Romans 12 and 1, he said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. Someone said holy. And acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He said, that's just your Your reasonable service. Jesus gave this parable in Luke chapter 17 and verse 7. He said, And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat. But will he not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk. And afterward you will eat and drink. Does he think that servant because he did the things that were commanded him I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Now let me show you this principle in Ryan Anthony French terms that I'm gleaning from these two passages of Scripture. There are some things that we do as Christians that are nothing more than the bare minimum hello well I knew it was going to get quiet now let me take it a step farther simply showing up to church is our duty it's our reasonable service when you show up you haven't gone the extra mile you've just done your reasonable service now I'm thankful for everybody that does their reasonable service but you get what you put in furthermore Your demeanor once you get to church is very important. There are people watching your demeanor. There are people that come specifically like the Queen of Sheba did. Because they're looking for an answer. They've heard about the Holy Ghost. They've heard about joy unspeakable and full of glory. They've heard about drug addicts who came to an old-fashioned altar and laid their drugs down and lived a life of transformation. They've heard about people who were healed from cancer. They've heard about marriages that were put back together by the power of God. They've heard about the glory of God. They've heard about people who know how to worship until the glory falls. They've heard about Davids who danced before the Lord. They've heard but they've never seen it or felt it for themselves and they show up to the house of God and if we're not careful if we're only going through the motions and if we're only doing a reasonable service and if we're only just doing just enough to get by there's going to be people who show up and leave this place thinking they don't have anything better Than me. Mm. Lift up your hands. God 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 forbid. God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. My God. My God. My God. They want to know. If what you have is genuine or not. They want to know if you're the real deal or just another fake. They've been lied to. They've been cheated on. They've been mistreated. They've been fooled once, maybe twice, maybe even three times. And it might have even been a church that did it to them. But I want us to know that apostolic tabernacle is the real thing. And we have a real God. And we have a real Holy Ghost. And we... with hard questions. They come wanting to know some things. And sometimes their questioning seems disrespectful. And sometimes their questioning makes us uncomfortable because it makes us crack open our Bibles. And it makes us think about things that we don't like to think about. And it makes us go to our study times. And it drives us to our knees in prayer. And sometimes we may have to really go beyond our reasonable service. And we may have to deny ourselves a meal or two and fast because sometimes things can over be overcome by prayer and fasting sometimes you can't just pray a little lay me down to sleep prayer sometimes you've got to go the extra mile if you want to see change they come with a skeptical heart why wouldn't they They're lied to every time they turn around. Uh, My goodness, you go to McDonald's and they make it look so delicious on the menu and then you order it and it looks like a piece of garbage. We live in such a marketing saturated culture that nothing is what it seems. Everything, as Brother Nathan preached the other night, every picture has a filter on it. You can Photoshop anything. You don't know if what you're looking at is real or fake. You can't hardly turn a corner without somebody trying to sell you some newfangled snake oil. And it's no wonder that they come to the house of God wanting to know is this apostolic thing real or not? We shouldn't be offended. We shouldn't be surprised. And we shouldn't run from it. We should ascend. Into the house of the Lord. Praise God. They come and they see our houses. And our accomplishments. And our families. And our organization. And our programs. And our fellowship. And our this. And our that. But it's your worship that is going to stir something inside of them. It's not going to be the suit that you wear. It's not going to be the smile or the way you shake their hand. It's not going to be any of those things. It's going to be our worship that distinguishes us from the rest of the world. It's apostolic worship that distinguishes us from the rest of the church world. It's our worship that will transform because God inhabits the praises of his people. The Bible says in the Old Testament, you remember the story of Korah's rebellion when he raised up a rebellion against Moses it was and God sent the plague and people were sick and they were dying and, and the people who had participated in the rebellion they were struck with a terrible plague and the Bible says that, that Aaron and the priest ran into the temple and they got a hold of a censer that was filled with incense and, and they lit it on fire and they began to run out between the living and the dead uh, you know what that incense was incense is always a type of praise. I wish somebody at Apostolic Tabernacle would get a hold of the revelation that there are going to be sinners that darken these doors and there's going to be drug addicts that darken these doors and there's going to be people who are puffed up with pride, spiritual arrogance who darken these doors and you shouldn't look down your nose at them. You should get a censer in your hand and run out between the living and the dead. And worship God until the Holy Ghost begins to bring deliverance and healing. Your praise. Someone said your praise. Point yourself and say my praise. My praise can be the very thing that can save a sinner from destruction. You get what you put in. You get what you put in. I often I've heard this not too many times, but sometimes... I overhear it. Never from this church, thank the Lord. But I often hear people will make a comment like, well, I didn't know those folks. And so I, you know, it's hard for me to put the effort into it. I don't even know them But you know, that attitude is very dangerous. For one thing, there's going to come a day when it's your family that comes to the house of God who's broken and bleeding. It's going to be the prodigal in your life who you love dearly who steps into the house of God. And you're going to hope with all of your heart that there's a church family. Who cares enough to run out between the living and the dead. You're going to care then. Why don't you go ahead and help your brother out. And help your sister out. You don't have to know their name. You don't have to know their life story. Just praise God for them. And believe. Because you get what you put in. I'm closing. Jesus said in Luke 6 and 38. I'm giving you a spiritual principle give and it shall be given unto you good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that ye meet with all it shall be measured to you again Now, we often quote the scripture in conjunction with giving of our finances, and I think it applies to that, but it applies in other areas as well. There is a prevailing biblical principle that if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. In other words, you get out in direct proportion to what you put in. And so as the musicians come, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Do you want a little blessing or do you want a big blessing? Do you want a little revival or do you want a big revival? Do you want a little healing or do you want a big healing? Do you want a little anointing or do you want a big anointing? Do you want a little ministry or do you want a big ministry? Do you want a little miracle or do you want a big miracle? Do you want to see a lot of prodigals come home or just one or two? Do you want to see your whole family saved or just one or two? I'm asking somebody, how much do you want? What do you desire from God? Are you preaching name it, claim it, blab it, grab it? No, sir. I'm preaching give, and it shall be given. I'm preaching you get what you put in. I heard someone say the other day, sports, and if you know me, you know that I don't know much about sports, but I heard someone on the radio know it's the time here in Georgia where the college teams are playing And I heard someone on the radio, they had lost the game. And one of the players said, we lost, but we left everything on the field. He said, we left everything out there. Can I just say to somebody tonight, if we had an attitude where we came to church and said, I'm going to leave all my praise on the altar. I'm going to leave all my worship, all my devotion. I'm not taking any of it with me. I'm pouring myself out in the presence of God. Sometimes that means different things. You know, when, when you go to a meal and they say, would you like to try something? And they just give you a little spoonful It's not enough, is it? Because you get what you put in. So if you want a little bit, sometimes here's what we do. We come to the house of God and we give a little bit of praise, a little bit of spoonful. But here, I want to show you. I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to show you what I wish we'd bring to the house of God. Brother Jinx, I stole this. I wish someone would just begin to pour your praise out, pour out your worship, pour out your praise, pour out your prayer. Come on, I wish somebody would dance like no one is watching. I wish somebody would just lift up your voice like no one is listening but God. Right now, can we just lift up our hands all over this building? Come on, let's not leave here without giving God everything that we have. Come on, somebody. Just step out from where you are and just begin to praise God. Come on, make up your mind. I'm not leaving here until I've given God my very best. Come on, if you need a miracle tonight, you get what you put in. If you need a blessing tonight, you get what you put in. Make up your mind. I'm going to pour it all out on the altar. Come on, I need a Mary to bring your alabaster box. And don't just give Jesus a little spoonful. Break that box. Pour it out over his feet. Wash his feet with your tears. And dry it with your hair, Mary. Come on, bring your alabaster box. And pour out your praise. Pour out your adoration. Come on, prayer warrior. This isn't a time to pray less, this is a time to pray more. Come on, we're going to bring